One of those verses we get to wrestle with, trying to deal with the grace, the mercy of God, the compassion that he had on us as those that were rebellious to him, regardless of the lifestyle that one may have lived. If you look at the life of Saul of Tarsus, if you see his dedication to the Jewish way of living, his zeal for its purity, and his willingness to purge out that which he saw as being impure and contrary to the life that God would have people to live. As you read through his life, you see some of the things that he did. We'll mention some of those. In trying to eradicate what was called the way, or Christians, whom he believed to be contrary to what God would want through his word. To such a degree that he would see himself as the chief of all sinners, the worst of all. And again, a purpose being stated that if he could be shown mercy and grace by God, then that salvation would be open to all of mankind. If they would be willing to follow the same steps that Paul had followed. And the consequence that Saul of Tarsus, whose name would be called, changed as Paul, the apostle, and what he went through in making that change. Sometimes we are of the impression that in becoming the child of God, becoming a Christian, life changes for the better, and all things work out, and it's a good life. But sometimes we forget. We forget what it was like for Jesus to leave the glory of heaven and to walk on the face of this earth. To live a life that his physical life was sought even as a baby to be taken out of the world. We're reminded, we mentioned this morning in the auditorium class, he came to his own, and his own received him not. He came to reach out to those who have been called God's people for thousands of years. They had carried the title. For thousands of years, they had proclaimed that they were 
chosen by God, blessed by God, and would be rewarded by God. And yet they would struggle for simply doing what he had asked of them. As he lived the physical life, Jesus was persecuted throughout it. Several times during his ministry, they picked up stones to stone him because of what he had to say. Saul of Tarsus would believe that this way was wrong and needed to be eradicated. You can see it in Acts 7, verses 58 through chapter 8 and verse 1, where he would consent to the stoning of Stephen for the message that Stephen had brought. Acts chapter 8 and verse 3, we would find that he would make havoc of the church in Jerusalem. He would persecute Christians, even going to Damascus in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. When, being per- when persecuting the Christians, he would do it to the point of imprisonment and of death as well in Acts 22 and in verse 4. He was so enraged against Christians that he would compel them when he had them to blaspheme the name of Christ. In Acts 26, verses 9 through 11. His goal was to destroy the church that the Son of God left heaven for, gave his life for, to establish. And yet this one who was a Pharisee of the Pharisees sought to not listen to the prophecies, not listen to the prophecies made during the life of Jesus, but chose rather to ignore it and try to eradicate it. Has time changed into our day and age as well. He describes himself as the chief of sinners. And yet, his life was lived such a way To see the contrast between being the Pharisee of Pharisees to being called the chief of sinners. As brought out in the reading this morning in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 15 and 16. This is a faithful saying. And worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world 
to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason, <coughs> excuse me, for this reason I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. <clears throat> Paul was a pattern of what God would be able to do for those who would believe on him. There is no exclusion for one being open or being able to receive the marvelous grace of God that's able to transcend our sins and to wash them away. And it's hard for us at times to understand the depths of our sin. To understand what it means to violate, transgress, disregard, disobey what God the Father wants from those who would be his children. That he would have the patience to work with us throughout our life. We are well aware of the fact in our own life, sometimes we want to readily see it in the life of others, that we have an imperfect life. After becoming a child of God, we still transgress God's law. We still fall short of what God would have us to do. But he in his grace and in his mercy is still there to forgive. Not only to forgive, but the Hebrew writer reminds us in Hebrews ten seventeen to remember their transgressions no more. There's a contrast there, is there not? The scriptures remind us that God, as he forgives, remembers those transgressions against us no more. They've been taken care of. The blood of Jesus Christ was sufficient for that. We still tend to remember them. We still tend at times to question our own salvation. Asking the question, how many times, God, have you forgiven me? How many times have I stumbled and fall, fallen? And forget that grace of God. We are to grow, but we're still human. We are to be more Christ-like, to be this new creation. 
But we still stumble and we still fall. Paul, as he was writing to the Romans in the 12th chapter of that book, the encouragement that is given or the challenge that is given to us. I beseech you, I urge you, I beg you, I plead with you, the meaning of the word there. I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, I'm pleading with you that the mercy of God would be shown upon you that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. The contrast, again, for those that are children of God, of having the knowledge of the Old and the New Testament, to understand the sacrificial system under the Old Law, that as every sin was committed, there was a sacrifice that was required. Every sin that was committed, a animal, an innocent animal that had nothing to do with your transgression, lost its life. So it was, in essence, a dead sacrifice. Under the new The blood of Christ was a sufficient sacrifice. And then we're to give our bodies, our life, as a living sacrifice. The life you live. The things that you do day by day. The words that you express. The thoughts that you think. The actions that you take your interaction with others is to be a living sacrifice unto God. You're His. You have been bought with a price. And therefore we are to glorify God in our bodies. As a result of that in verse 2, that we are not to be conformed to this world, but to be, excuse me, to be transformed Metamorphosis, we're to change from one lifestyle to a different life to be lived. To be transformed by the renewing of your mind where it takes place. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So you're to renew the mind. It's a constant challenge given to us. There are so many things that clamor for our attention. A lot of things that seem to demand our attention at a given time that have not careful. We can be so involved in this life that we let this life crowd out what really does matter. A life with God. The renewing of the mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God.
And I go on and read the rest of chapter 12 of Romans. The thought that the Lord would regard Paul or Saul and then Paul worthy of being a child of his. How do you understand the grace and the mercy and the love that God has for us? How do you understand the patience that he has with us? How do you understand the forgiveness that he has for us? The long-suffering. And how do you understand his working in our life to accomplish his will in a way that would be pleasing in his sight? As Paul described his life there, verse 12, as we begin, and I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me, because he counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. God counted Paul as faithful and was willing to entrust with him the ministry of sharing the gospel to a lost and dying world. He was the chief of sinners. Does God also not have confidence in you to put you into the ministry? Not in the same way that Paul was. But in the way of serving God. It's not a one of us here but does not have capability and talent to give to God for his glory. And that God can and will use you in his ministry. But it comes as Paul learned, Saul of Tarsus, you have to be willing to give up this life for that spiritual life, which leads to that eternal life in a place called heaven that God has prepared for his children. Where are you 
and relationship to God. Where are you? What type of life is being reflected by the life you're living? Is it a demonstration of the grace, the marvelous grace of God? Is it a reminder to us of what God is able and is doing with you? Are you, as Paul would able would be able to say later on, I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him until that day. Can you say that? I am persuaded. I am convinced. I am assured that God can keep my soul until that day. There is that marvelous grace of God. How, excuse me, how, excuse me, how indeed will we respond to it? Though, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. You think about that power. You think about that illustration. Scarlet red sins. And God is able to make them as white as snow. Thoroughly cleanse and make whole again. Are you willing? Are you willing to let him have his way with thee? The invitation is always open. It comes from God. He stands ready at any time. It is an opportune time now for one who may need to make a change in their life, to recommit a life to God, to renew that life again. If you have a need, to change the life with God. He's ready. If we could assist you, if we could help you in any way, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.